Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will recall a powerful testimony of his Ethiopian friend, Temeskin, and the impact that this young man made on Tom Cantor's life today and his eternal focus for the Lord for tomorrow. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. You know, about eight years ago, I met Temeskin, and uh, Temeskin was an Ethiopian boy that lived in a village less than about 100 miles from where our compound is in Ethiopia, about two and a half hours outside of Addis Ababa. Temeskin lived in a very typical subsistence farming type of village with his father and his mother and his brothers and his sisters. And some of these villages or cities are just all Muslim, like the one we are located in is all Muslim. And some villages are Orthodox Christian and some villages are animist. And the particular village that Temeskin lived in was an animist village. That means that they worshipped rocks and snakes and trees, and they had witch doctors. As a matter of fact, Temeskin's uncle was the witch doctor for the village he lived in. During the early parts of the, of the 2000s, first, there was drought in Ethiopia. I'm sure you all remember and, and there was death, and, and lots of death, and there's just lots of death. The average age of people in our city is 42. Well, uh, death was sweeping through Temeskin's village at that time, and many died in his village, and Temeskin watched his father die, and then he watched all of his brothers and all of his sisters die, except for one sister, from the starvation and the disease. And after each death, it was always the same. The body would be wrapped in whatever rags they could come up with and immediately buried. And then they start the 30 days of mourning. They'll block the streets, and, and you have to drive carefully in because they'll be wailing for 30 days, standing and crying for hours. So who's left? So Temeskin, his mother, and his sister. Those are the only ones who survived. So one day, what happened was that there was a 24-year-old woman in a hut next to them, one of the huts, and she was dying, all like the rest. She was dying like his father and the mother, and everybody's dying. It's very dangerous, childbirth. In the U.S., the chance of dying in childbirth or from complications in pregnancy is about 1 in 3,500. In Ethiopia, it's 1 in 7. That 1 out of 7 of them will have that unwashed wool blanket pulled over their face and, and they'll, they'll die in the childbirth. But every time I've been to the maternity ward, I've been amazed because when you stand there in the ward, you can hear a pin drop on the floor. It's absolutely silent. There's not a sound. Women, they don't make any sound. And that's an Ethiopian tradition. It's a tradition that all the way to death, Women will die in hard labor and not make a sound. It's just amazing. So it's very, very, very unusual for a a woman to cry out. And that's the usual way that that women die in Ethiopia. They don't cry. But on this particular day, when this 24-year-old woman was dying there in, in Temeskin's village, it was different because she broke with traditions in more ways than one, And somehow she had heard about the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So she breaks with tradition and she cries out. And when she cries out, she cries out to Jesus and she said, Oh, Jesus, help me. Please help me. She does that. And he did. And he healed her. And she lived. And everyone saw that. And everyone was amazed at what happened. And no one knew anything about Jesus in this village. They were not an Orthodox Christian village. They weren't Christians. They were animists. But Temeskin and his mother and his sister, they wanted to know more about who was this Jesus that the woman was crying out to who, who had lived. And she'd come right on the brink of death. And they didn't know who he was. And they couldn't read. No one can read in the village. No one can read or write. And they, couldn't go, they didn't go to school because work had to be done. I've seen two-year-old kids with a stick herding a couple of goats. That's the way it is there. They don't go to school. So how are Temeskin and his family going to find out who this Jesus was? How are they going to learn to do what she did? And they wanted to know. Well, what happened was that one day a little lady came to their village, and she was from another village close by that was an Orthodox village with a little, little Orthodox church and just a tinned roof building with the mud walls and no electricity, no musical instruments, but they were known for their singing. They sang a lot. And she had come from that church, and now she was talking to people about Jesus. And so Temeskin at this time was about 11 years old. And he and his mom and, and Kibu, the, his uh, 18-year-old sister, they invited the woman to come into their mud hut. So she sits there. Now this woman who came, she couldn't read or write either. But she could tell the stories of Jesus. See, that's what she could do, and that's what she did. And she had a book, but the book had no words in it. <laughs> they couldn't read them. But the book had pictures. It was a picture book. And it was all the drawing, it was drawings and pictures of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so using that book, she told the old story of Jesus and wrote, and God wrote on their hearts every word, and she told them the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. And what happened? Those three, Tomask and his mother and his sister, they believed that day. So the hut of death is turned into a hut of life because they trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, their Savior and God. And they stepped over the line, see, because they were an animus. And then the woman invited them to come to their little church the next Sunday. So the next Sunday they went to church, newborn babes in Christ, and they started to learn the songs and they were singing them and, and they came back to their village and started to talk about what had happened there. Well, as I mentioned, Temeskin's uncle was the witch doctor and so their talk was not good for his business. So, <laughs> so he stepped in and he said, you can't go to that church anymore on Sunday. And they said, oh, but we must, we must. And he said, you will not. And so Sunday morning came, and they got all ready to go to church, but the uncle was ready for him, and he was standing right outside the door of their hut with a big stick. So when they first one stick his head out, he would hit him over the head with the stick, and the next one would whack him and beat him back into the, the, the hut, and they missed church that Sunday. So... But then the next Sunday came, the one after that, and they got up in the middle of the night <laughs> before he got up and escaped out of their hut. And then they, they went to the church and just waited until sunrise. 
And, and that was, uh, that's how it was. Now then there came a wonderful day when the church gave to Temeskin's mother a Bible. And uh, it had print in it, but no one could read it, but it had pictures. So that was the good part. And so she cherished that Bible, and they went home and took some vines, and she made a backpack, and she would carry the Bible wherever she would go, and then she would take it off and, and go through and tell people the stories from the pictures. So what happened? About a year later, Temeskin, 11 years old, uh, he has this tremendous growth that occurs on his right leg. So the village elders come and look at it, and, hmm, you know, and then they said, look, you know, you need to go to the hospital. You have to go to the government hospital in Addis Ababa for your leg. It's very bad. And uh, so the family says, how are we going to get to the government hospitals? It's two and a half hours away. So they, they only had one possession, one goat. So they sold the goat, and they bought three bus tickets from their little village, and when they arrived back in Addis, Temeskin's cousin met them, and they went immediately to the government hospital. And they looked it over, and they said, well, you have cancer. You have osteosarcoma cancer. Ethiopia has the best medical schools in all of Africa. It's very, very good medical schools. They don't have a lot of things, but they have good medical schools. Anyway, and so they told Temeskin that he had to have his right leg amputated at the hip immediately because he would die within weeks, they told him. And then they told Temeskin that the only person qualified to amputate his leg was an orthopedic surgeon. And uh, there were only two orthopedic surgeons in the country of 85 million. But they told him. And, and he was booked for nine months. So, sorry. So they told Temeskin that he was going to die, and then they explained to Temeskin that it was very expensive for the hospital to transport dead corpses. So they asked Temeskin, would he kindly return to his village and die there to save the hospital's money? Well, you know, Temeskin's mother and Kibu and the cousin, they just sat down and cried. They just cried and cried, but not Temeskin. Temeskin remembered the 24-year-old woman who God healed, and he told him it was going to be okay and that they shouldn't worry. Well, then the cousin said that he had heard about a, uh, a non-government hospital in Cities Kilo, the middle of Addis, and it was the Mother Teresa Hospital. And th there was a doctor who wasn't an orthopedic surgeon, and he had never amputated a leg before, but he said he was willing to give it a try. So, <laughs> well, it worked, and he successfully removed the leg at the hip. Now, at the hospital was an Orthodox Jewish doctor from New York. His name is Rick Hodes. But Rick was uh, absolutely convinced that he's going to heaven by his good works. He's lost. Now, Temeskin became Rick's patient. And Rick took Temeskin out of the Mother Teresa Hospital eventually and brought him home with the 25 other Ethiopian boys. He had adopted five of those boys and got them into private schools in the U.S., high schools and colleges and states and so forth. And every night, Rick would light the Sabbath candles in his home with those 25 Ethiopian boys. And Temeskin told me that Rick was trying very hard to convert them all to Judaism and none of them wanted to. Anyway, so... Rick had found that the amputation of Temeskin's leg was too late. 
because the cancer had already spread in his body. And so Temeskin told me that one day, when Temeskin was 12 years old, after his amputation, Rick sat down with him. Now here's Rick, a lost soul. He did not need the Lord Jesus Christ because of all of the good works that he was told me about, not just in Ethiopia, but in, in Rwanda and Zaire and Tanzania and Somalia and Albania. And I remember one night we were sitting down together at, at, uh, to have dinner at the Sheraton in Addis, and he starts to say, and, and when we start for the dinner, he says, okay, Tom, let's get it over with. Go ahead and tell me how you found Jesus and tell me why I need Jesus. I thought, boy, that's quite an opening. <laughs> but when I told Rick, you sinned, Rick, and you need God's sacrifice. Then he recounted to me all the good works, all the mitzvahs, all the mitzvot that he'd done, good works, and how they were enough to get him into heaven. And when I told him that Isaiah said that we're all as an unclean thing in Isaiah 64, 6, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, Rick just looked at me and he said, maybe yours, but not all my righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Not mine, you see. I can show you kids that are alive today because of me. I can show you kids that can stand up today because of me. So maybe you need, but I don't. Well, okay, that's Rick. And so that same Rick sits down this one day with Temeskin, and Rick actually told me what happened. And Rick says to him, Temeskin, I'm sorry to tell you that your cancer has spread, and I can't get anything like the chemo and the treatments you need to even have a chance to stop your cancer. So he says to him, he says, Temeskin, you have to understand you are going to die. See, lying in the sand. Like man's day shall be 120 years. And so then he says to him, so Temeskin, I have just one question for you. And he says to him, Temeskin, are you afraid to die? He looked Rick right in the eye, and with calmness, he said to Rick, No, I'm not afraid to die, because we'll all die sometime. He said, And it doesn't matter when we die. What matters is what we do before we die. Isn't that something? Now, when Rick told me that, Rick was very impressed. And I told Rick, I said, Rick, Temeskin, by that statement, was telling you that he was ready to die because he had done what matters before he died, which was to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as a Savior. And I said, Rick, you are not ready to die because you have not done what matters yet, uh, which was to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so just to finish the story about Temeskin. So, Bruce and Mary Louise Cohen were visiting Rick in Addis. Mary Louise was my lawyer for the whistleblower case. And so Rick was at the Mother Teresa Hospital, and, and Temeskin was actually there that day as well. And he was telling them about Temeskin. And he was saying, I just can't adopt another one, another Ethiopian boy. And he was saying, Temeskin is going to die without advanced treatment. And just as he said that, Temeskin came around the the corner. He had this big smile. And as soon as he did, Mary Louise saw Temeskin and she blurts out, we will adopt him, just like that. Her husband, Bruce, was in a state of shock. But uh, so Temeskin came to the U.S. and, and that's where I met him 
in their home, the home of the Coens there in, in uh, D.C. And as soon as he could get a little bit of English and could, we could communicate, I found out we were brothers in Christ. We were brothers in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, he came to the Lord Jesus Christ from a mud hut in Ethiopia, and I came to the Lord Jesus Christ from a mud hut in Bel Air. But we were, <laughs> we were brothers. And it was amazing because Temeskin found himself now in a multi-million dollar home in Washington, D.C., going to Georgetown Day School where the tuition is a mere $34,000 a year. Now, Temeskin took up guitar and he started to write hymns in Amharic and that he played for me and and he told me that he's writing these hymns as fast as he can and learning them because his goal was to go back to that church, that church there with the tin roof, and he was going to be the one to bring the first musical instrument, the guitar, and play these hymns that he had written and teach the church. He was, that was who he was looking forward to. Well, he never got to do that because three years later, at the age of 15, uh, cancer overtook his body. But cancer didn't overtake him. And so he's now safe. Now, I got to make the last trip to Ethiopia with Temeskin. That was his goodbye trip. That's the reason why we went, why we're in Ethiopia, because of that. And actually, the reason I did that, I'll be honest with you, is because when I heard that Bruce Cohen was going, and I wanted so much to befriend Bruce and bring him the gospel, I didn't care if they were going to Antarctica. I said, count me in, you know. But after that trip, Temeskin never was afraid to die. But as it got closer, he would tell me how much he didn't want to die. It wasn't he was afraid to die. He didn't want to die. And he would say, Tom, I am just starting my life now. I have so much to do. You know, he wanted to go back to that, I told you, the church there, for example. He said, I know God is going to heal me, like that 24-year-old woman. I know he's going to heal me. He healed so many others. He's going to heal me. I know it. Now, what do you say to a 15-year-old boy, a close friend with terminal cancer who loves the Lord with all his life and says, I am just starting my life. I don't want to die. I know God is going to heal me. What do you say? What do you say to a 15-year-old boy with terminal cancer who looks you right in the eye and says, no, I am not going to die. What do you say? Well, when Temeskin said those things to me, I, I, I turned to God and I say, what do I say? What do I say? And it was just as though the Lord said to me, you sit down and tell him the truth. And I didn't know what. So I did. I sat down with him without even knowing what I was going to say. And it just came out. I said, Temeskin, I said, pal, I said, let me tell you what is going to happen to you. And I paused and Temeskin looked at me, and I said, Temeskin, you remember back in Ethiopia, you were so poor. And I said, but that's all you knew. And I said, and you remember back in Ethiopia, you got sick. You got very sick, and you ended up in a hospital. And while you're at that hospital, you remember, Temeskin, that a very rich person came to that hospital, and she took you away And as her adopted son, to her home in her country, to a place you'd never dreamed of, to you'd never heard of a place like that ever even existed. And when you got to her house 
And they opened that white door next to those big white columns of that four-story house with the large yard and the swimming pool outside in the back. And they said to you, Temeskin, welcome home. This is your new home. And you went from room to room and you couldn't wait to learn to swim. And you did, even with one leg. You swam, you swam a lot, like a fish. And you met so many new people in her home, in her country, that you never met before. And you saw so many things that you never saw before. You never, Ethiopia's landlocked, you never saw the ocean before. And now all of a sudden, you're standing on the ocean shore. You, you did so many things you never did before. You played in the ocean. And I said, now, Temeskin, that all started when your life in Ethiopia ended. And I said, but when your life in Ethiopia ended, your life did not end. Your life just begun in a new location in the U.S. Your life continued in a different place. So I told them, I said, Temeskin, the exact same thing is going to happen to you all over again. Just like in Ethiopia, when you got very, very sick and you were very poor, you got so sick that you went to a hospital. And just like in Ethiopia, when a very rich person came to the hospital and took you as her adopted son to her home in her country, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, a very rich person, is going to come to the hospital that you are in and he's going to take you as, as his adopted son to his home in his country. And when you leave this earth, your life is not really going to end. You'll just be starting a new life in heaven. So I said to him, Temeskin, you're right. Your life is just beginning. And you have so much to do for God in your life. And you will do it. And you will live it. But you won't do it here. You'll do it in a different location. That's what happened to Temeskin. So when you all get to heaven, look him up. (laughs) <laughs> because he's dying to tell you all that he saw and all that he met and all that he did since he's been to, to uh, since the eternal chapter in his life began, chapter 3, chapter 1, Ethiopia, chapter 2, life in Ethiopia, chapter 2, life in the U.S., chapter 3, with no end, life in, in heaven. Before Temeskin died, he asked me to go back to Ethiopia and help the people bring them the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he told me that as I walked in Ethiopia, that I should say, every place where the sole of my foot touches, that God's given that to me. And I told him I would. That's why we're there. So we had Temeskin cremated, or they had Temeskin cremated, and we were all in Ethiopia, and we had a memorial service for Temeskin. And even though it was a very, very hot day, um, heavy coats were being worn with many pockets because in those pockets were plastic bags of Temeskin's ashes. See, you don't cremate in Ethiopia, so this is why it was done this way. So anyway, we came to our property, and there was a tree that the drug lords had, out of spite to us because we destroyed their drug crops, they chopped down this big tree. They chopped down all the trees. Anyways, it was a beautiful African uh, acacia umbrella, African acacia trees like you see. And all that remained was this cut-down stump. And so we prayed, and we scattered Temeskin's ashes by that stump. And then later we built a bench 
You know, we had a bench built around the stump and a metal brace in the middle, and the tree began to grow. And now it's about seven feet tall. It started growing again. And then we put a plaque up there that says that Temeskin was like this tree. He was cut down on earth, but now he grows again in heaven. So as a 12-year-old boy, Temeskin said he was not afraid to die because everyone was going to die sometime, and what really mattered was what you did before you died. And that's the meaning behind what God is intending here when he draws this line in the sand and he says, 120 years, not a day longer. And the only thing that matters is not when. It matters repentance before you die. That what's, that's what has to be accomplished. And so the message here with 120 years is don't mess with God. Don't push him on his mercy because it is appointed. He has an appointment book and he can see every person's appointment time from Hebrews 9.27 when they've been appointed once to die and after that the judgment. Lord, that you give us times of opportunity and you have plans for us, Lord. You say you know the plans that you plan for us. And for the lost, it's repentance and to begin life. And for the saved, it's to do for God in this opportunity of faith. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. Now, did you know that this message and all of our messages are available for free download? They are at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. And on the website, we have plenty of free resources and materials from Tom Cantor, books and videos. We also have a resources tab there. Some of Tom Cantor's materials you can order, and some of them are available for free download or viewing. You can also call us for more information on that at 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. Now, again, if you have a Jewish friend or a person that you know of, coworker or neighbor, and you want to reach them with the gospel, we'll mail it to them directly for free or give it to you. Call us today, 1-800-247-3051.